On today's Question of Faith, why would a woman study in a Catholic seminary? Hey everybody, I'm Mike Hayes. This is Question of Faith. I am the Young Adult Ministry Director in the Diocese of Cleveland. And I'm Father Damien Ferentz, the Vicar for Evangelization. And I'm Christina Fisher, the Project Coordinator for the Office for Human Life. Hey Christina, first time for you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And you know something about studying in a Catholic seminary, and you're a woman. Imagine that. Yes, indeed. (laughs) I have been studying at St. Mary's for the last four and a half years. Which is the Catholic seminary here in Cleveland. The major seminary, the Theologa, because we also have Borromeo Seminary, which is our college. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so why would a woman study in a Catholic seminary? Why would a woman study at a Catholic seminary? Part of it is the formation piece, and the other part is obviously the academic piece. The formation piece is being able to be surrounded um, by those who are being formed to be priests, um, which creates uh, an amazing dynamic for Mm. the classroom. And that leads into the academic piece of um, the rigor and the theology and um, the other components that are offered at the seminary. And mm. you're currently in the master's program in theology, correct? I am. I okay. am in the master's program there. Tell us a little bit about it. How many courses do you have to take and what do you have to do to earn your degree? So I am in my final semester. Currently, I'm in ecclesiology and Eucharist. And there's different aspects that you have to hit. You have to um, have a certain number of theology, um, systematic theology Mm -hmm. courses. Mm -hmm. And then you have to have, depending on what your focus is, my focus is going to be in liturgy. Okay. And so you have to have a core number of those. And then you also have to have biblical courses, and then you can have electives. And some of my electives were things like canon law. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So did you, do you take one course or two courses per semester? I or? typically take two courses per okay. semester. Well, that's good. Sometimes it was um, to be able to hit those core courses, mm-hmm. um, and other times it was essentially for fun. I see. Mm, yeah. Now, what's it like been being in the classroom with uh, with the guys who are studying for the priesthood? It's definitely been very fruitful. Uh, I've formed numerous friendships because of, of that, and then also getting more of an understanding of what it is um, that they have to do and accomplish in order to be able to become a priest. It isn't just them walking up on ordination day, that there's a lot of study that goes into um, to becoming a priest. Mm. What do you think they would say about having women in their classroom, you know, and think, alongside them, I should I say? I think that we create a, a different perspective, a new dynamic yeah. in regards to what we bring to the table. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you know, in my in my formation, you know, our wives are, are invited to join us for class, and, and it becomes a whole new dynamic when the when all the wives are there in particular. Mm-hmm. Like we have homiletics uh, this semester with Father Schlegel, and the wives are all in there, and the wives have, like, just a completely different perspective than the guys would. You know, like, we're, we're sitting there going, oh, I never thought about that. I never thought about using that in my homily. Uh, my classmate Ed the other day based his whole homily on a conversation he had with his wife. And when we were reviewing one of the things that we said, we said, 
way to use your wife and your homily. That was great. Mm. And and she really contributed to the thought that he had around around the thing that he was talking about. It was really, really interesting and really good. That's cool. So tell us about your um, favorite course thus far at St. Mary's. So I've had several favorite courses. Uh, some of them are hard to choose from. I would have to say it, the top three would be um, Canon Law with Father Yanis, um, Christology with Dr. Steren, mm. and I would have to say, far and away, um, Bishop Woost, like anything that he offers, has been exceptional. And what you're taking right now are, is your course with him now, or no? my course is not with him. My oh, course okay. is currently with Father Dedish, oh, okay. who's based out of the Erie Diocese. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Right, right, right. Cool. And what do you like about each one? Like, what, you know, what was great about Canon Law? So yeah, what was great yeah, about Canon yeah, Law? Really, yeah, that was my <laughs> least favorite course. And I had Bishop Okowiak teach me, who was great. But uh, And what was great about Canon Law was to understand the elements behind the theology and to connect um, all of it together. I guess that's kind of how I see Canon Law, is that it's just kind of that under underpiece that, yeah. that holds it. Um, and Father Yanis's presentation of all of it, he gave practical examples, real-life situations, and it was, to me, very dynamic. Yeah. Um, and he's the judicial vicar here. He's up on uh, the seventh floor and runs the whole tribunal, so yeah. he knows a thing or two about canon law. He knows yeah, a lot yeah. about canon law. It was, it was great to be able to, to pick his brain and ask him ask him different questions and scenarios. Yeah, we, we forget that canon law is really the way we express our theology, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's how we live it out in, in our lives. I think people often think it's just rules and regulations, and while there, there certainly are rules and regulations, it's also, when you look at it from that standpoint, it's just a completely different thing. That was one of my favorite classes, too, was when I took canon law. And the, and the law always bends toward mercy. You know, we forget that, too. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not trying to be punitive toward people. Yes. But yes. Although sometimes you are yeah. for the sake of a medicinal purpose so that they're corrected. But sure. you're right. It's the, the law itself isn't there to be punitive. But there is a whole penal section, I know, at the end of canon law, And, too. and yeah. for the first semester, so I took two semesters of canon law. The first semester was based on, like, the authority and understanding those kinds of things. And then the second semester was based on all the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, and then Doctor, you said yeah, Doctor Starin for Christology. I and, did. And so what I was did. that? I had that class also. So. so he definitely brought a new perspective to Christology, where one of the things, I guess, for myself that I had to relearn was that Christ is not this divine being walking around in a human body; that he was fully human and fully divine, and that was a huge piece for me that he was able to articulate well. Uh, throughout the course. Cool. Yeah, he brings the, the human Jesus right right up close and personal to you all the time and, and, and sort of makes you struggle with that, right? You know, it makes, yes, it makes yes. you sort of like look through that and say, well, what does that mean? You know, you know did, did, did Jesus experience fear? Did Jesus experience anxiety? You know, all those things. What are those like for you? you know, what are those like for you? Mm-hmm. And, and how do you, you know, how do you pray differently now knowing that Jesus experienced some of the same things that you experienced? So for me, it was a great class. And then you mentioned Bishop Boost also, who I think is just one of the greatest professors I've yes, ever had. Yes, so. he, he's, he's far and away, like, above um, what I had anticipated when I first came to the seminary. He was one of the first courses I took 
I had liturgical and sacramental theology with mm. him. And that was my first class coupled with church history. And he is a dynamic teacher. His pedagogy is top-notch. And anything, he he brings liturgy to life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, Christina, so y- you're now the project coordinator for the Human Life Office of the Diocese of Cleveland. Correct. And before that, you were a stay-at-home mother because you have seven children? I do have seven children. So tell us a little bit about why you decided to go back to school and what your hopes were because you only started working down here in the last six months, right? So when you started this master's program, were you thinking, well, eventually I want to work for the church? Or were you thinking, I just want to know more about my faith? Um, Because maybe some of our listeners are wondering, how can I do this sort of thing? So what was your journey? How did you wind up there? Yes, yes. So to answer your question, yes to both. Okay. Um, I am. A st- I was a stay-at-home mom. And for me, part of it was that I always wanted to have a theology degree. But my father is very, very practical. And he said, you need to get something that will actually pay your bills. Mm. And he was very, very adamant about me not having that theology degree. And so I ended up doing a bachelor's degree in something else. And the opportunity did not present itself for me to go back to get my master's. I always had said, I want to do a master's degree. And when my children started school, then I was able to begin that journey of going back to get my master's degree. And I wanted uh, an in-person rather than an online course. And that was an opportunity given to me through St. Mary's was that we were able to physically be in the classroom together, see each other, have conversation and discussion. And for me, it was not a matter of a specific course that I said, yes, I want to go work for the diocese or I want to go work for the church. And that's why I'm getting my master's degree. I was open to the Holy Spirit and where the Holy Spirit directed me in regards to where I ended up. And I am currently now here, um, which I'm excited about. So, Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And back in the day, you were part of the old National uh, Catholic Student Coalition, right? I was. Is that how you met your husband? That is how I met my husband. Yeah, tell us about that. So I grew up in Minnesota, and my husband grew up here in Cleveland. And we were both part of the same region. We were in the Midwest region, and both of us were part of the um, regional team. And we met as college students, and this particular organization had a national conference mm-hmm. over the New Year's holiday. But then we would break out during the, the, the remainder of the year and play on different things. And so my husband was from the furthest east, and I was from the furthest west of that Midwest region. Mm-hmm. And we ended up having a long-distance relationship while I was still in college. And then after I graduated from from my undergrad, then I moved out to Pittsburgh where he was working. And we ended up getting married out there had and, and began our family. That's awesome. And how many children do you have now? We have seven. So my oldest is currently a sophomore at St. Vincent College in Latrobe, and my youngest is in first grade at a local Catholic school That's here. That's cool. So oftentimes when we're doing the God when we're doing God's will, we're surprised by where his will takes us because he's the one who has the plan and we're kind of following. So what surprised you about studying at St. Mary's Seminary in these four and a half years you've been studying? Has there been something like, man, I didn't expect this, but this 
and I'm grateful for it. Has there been anything like that? I would have to say that the most surprising piece was um, how much it's changed me mm-hmm. um, and my understanding of theology, who God is. But it's been in a fruitful, good kind of way, where when I went in, I had some very rigid, if you will, um, conceptions of who God is. And through the professors and priests and um, the seminarians and other laity that I've met and through the readings of the church and just understanding a fuller grasp of what the church really is, um, it has allowed me to um, to more fully, hopefully, encompass um, seeing Christ in others and in myself. Nice. So your faith has not been destroyed but broadened, and the mystery of God has has captured you. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. that's all. That's what good theology is supposed to do. I even when I was I was studying philosophy, but I was reading you know a lot of medieval philosophy, which is uh, pretty theocentric, and I felt like my because my head was growing in wisdom and knowledge of God, so was my heart, and mm. it's it's supposed to be transformative in that way, which is cool. So you you'd obviously recommend our major seminary for. Uh, lay friends or absolutely. listeners who are thinking, man, could I go back to school? It would be a good place for them, yes, you'd say? Yeah. Yes, absolutely, 100%. It's cool. Thank yeah. you. And how did you end up here? How did I end up and here? At the diocese, I mean. So that's kind of a long but short story. <laughs> um, we were online, and we were looking for different jobs because my schooling is coming to an end Um, And so we were looking to see what opportunities presented, and we saw that they were offering the opportunity to be a project coordinator for the Office for Human Life. And the pro-life issue has been very near and dear to my heart. And even even my symposium, what I'm going to do for that is in regards to um, the funeral rite for grieving families Mm. and um, for the loss of children. And so, so, so for me, this is definitely an opportunity to be able to continue that work. Yeah. Thanks for doing that too. Yeah. It's been, it's been great. I I blessed a house this weekend and I had my book of blessings out and was showing the family how many blessings there are for all sorts of different things. Like the church thinks of everything. There's blessings for a mother who's had a miscarriage or, um, of family who's gone through trauma. There's all sorts of blessings for everything. The church provides, really does provide. So that's cool that you're showing that in your uh, MA symposium. Who's on your board? Bishop Woost, who else? No, Bishop Woost is not. Oh, because um, he's a bishop now. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. We were asked not to ask him. Otherwise, I would have very much wanted him there because when I had um, a miscarriage and I was at the seminary, Bishop Woost actually came to the funeral mm. um, and was there. So I... I would very much have liked to have him there, but it's Father Trenta, uh, Father Turner, and Father Blind. Oh, mm. excellent. Those are three great priests. Yeah, three great guys. Cool. Yeah. And so thanks. So, so women studying in the Catholic seminary, do you have other colleagues who are women in the Catholic seminary, and what do you think some of their feelings and experiences have been? There have been many that I have met, and um, I know that several of them have graduated from St. Mary's and have much like appreciated the the formation and the education that they have received there. Yeah. 
Our new director of lay ecclesial ministry in the Diocese of Cleveland, Michelle Nowak, was my classmate at St. Mary's Seminary. She graduated in 2003 with us. And if I'm not mistaken, she was the top of our class. She's super bright and was the valedictorian of her high school. So there's another example of a woman who studied at our seminary who's doing great things for the church right now. And Mary Von Karlowitz, who's the head of uh, Human Life Office, is currently in the doctoral ministry program at the seminary. So that's another one in addition to the master's programs. Right. Even in my program, I think that there are often uh, times where we say, you know, some of these wives are probably better at some of these things than we are. We're like, you know, let's, let's, you know, we we, we tease each other every once in a while. We say, well, that was a great paper Marion wrote for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't there also a new a master's in diaconate studies? Correct. Or yeah. So yeah. there's like, I think St. Mary's offers an MDiv, a DMIN, an MA in theology, then an MA in diaconal and, yeah, studies. And di- and so there's four different yeah. four different degrees that St. Mary's offers. Yeah, it's awesome. I have yeah. two degrees from St. Mary's, so yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sometimes people take these degrees and they go off into churches. And look what we're doing this week. Uh, beginning on Friday, March seventeenth. Nine Nights a Night Prayer is going to begin. And so for our church, I thought we'd do a little extended church search this week. Let's do it. And maybe just do a little quick hit on on each church that will be participating in Nine Nights a Night Prayer. So let's start out in Lodi with Our Lady Help of Christians. Mission Mission Parish uh, down in Wham, Wayne, Ashland, Medina, uh, the southern part of our diocese. I've never been to this campus. So they have a couple locations. I've never been to this one. Looking forward to it. Father Ed Szczynski is the pastor there. Nice. He's a pie baker, award-winning pie baker. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. Baking priest on uh, Instagram. Yeah, we should have him bake for the last night and a couple of the ice cream ice with cream. that. Oh, yeah. We'll let him know. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Mary Queen of Apostles in Brook Park. Uh, Megan Bolin is out there, who's the young adult person there. She just wrote a new book that, that's out that should be coming uh, coming your way soon. She nice. put a note out the other day saying that uh, it was coming her, coming her way soon. To... And Father Jim Stanger is the pastor out there. Welcome, everybody. It's my best <laughs> in, uh, Stanger impersonation. I used to play tennis with him a lot when I was a younger priest. He had some elbow issues recently. La Sagrada Familia, which is right on 77th there in Detroit. Mm-hmm. That Every night they're going to be offering uh, night prayer in Spanish. Nice. So that should be pretty cool. I plan to – I think I'm going to go out there on the last night. Oh, nice. In fact, for the ice cream. So – they know how to celebrate out there. They too, do, so it's, it's yeah. Great. And yeah. and and uh, Father Francisco just redid their sanctuary, so there's a beautiful near, new Riordos oh, around nice. the rose window. It's all wood. It's I'll nice. check that out. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, St. Agnes, Our Lady of Fatima, African-American parish, uh, Father Dave Demansky, and Father James and Watson, Father James Watson, both out there, which is a great place, high hospitality. One of our newest churches in the diocese, right across from League Park, so check that place out. It's beautiful, and the singing is going to be hard to beat. Yep. Mm-hmm. St. Mary the Immaculate Conception in Avon. I just drove out there the other day. That is a fantastically beautiful parish, old German farmer's parish. If you've never been there, head out there. You'll love it. Uh, Father Tom Cleeton is the pastor. Jolene is the music director. Mm. And I'm actually going to preside on Sunday, I think the 19th, at... Um, at night prayer that night, so I'm looking forward to that. Nice, Saint Mel in uh, in Cleveland, right on Triscuit Road. I was just there the other day because I had to deliver their nine nights uh, paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. I had never been in there, and so I went in there. I was really I was really taken by how bright it is in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a really great space with a lot of marble. Um, you know, and uh, Father Adam Zajac is there, who's just great. And Father Gary Giannis actually resides there. Oh, that's, that's right. His residence, yeah. so maybe yes. he'll be presiding at some of these night prayers too. Yep. 
St. Noel, that's out by the seminary. Father Terry Gratchenin is the pastor there. It's a newer church. Um, noble simplicity is how I would describe it. And I actually have to drop off their packet uh, today or tomorrow over there at St. Uh, St. Noel, but they're ready for us. And uh, Father Father uh, Terry is a protege of uh, Bishop Woos, so the liturgy's always well done out there. Nice. St. Patrick gets the farthest place out, right? And, I've been uh, out there twice in the last couple weeks. Look at you. And, uh, oh, it's a haul. You put some miles on your car, but beautiful. I will say this about St. Patrick's Parish in Thompson, the strongest male handshakes in the diocese. It's like <laughs> shaking hands with a stone. After Mass the other day, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I'm not like, I don't have weak hands, but these guys, they're all farmers out there. Um, yeah, it's going to be cool. I can't wait. If you've never been out to St. Patrick's, beautiful little parish. It's funny you say that. But one of my favorite students when I was in Buffalo is a guy named Jim McCartney, who you met. He came to Theology on Tap. Mm. And at graduation, his father came over to me, and he shook my hands. He literally lifted me off my feet. Huh. I mean, pulled me like right yeah, right close to him. And I was just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, these guys are used to throwing like cows around. Exactly, yeah. And then finally, St. Paul in Akron, uh, which we talked about with Sharon the other day. Right? Still never been there, but I'm going to go. <laughs> these, I don't remember what day, but I, I visit all nine of these places. Have you been to any of these places, Christina? I used to go to daily mass at Mary Queen of the Apostles. Okay, yeah, that's right around your neighborhood. And then for our Christmas party, we went to St. Agnes, Our Lady of Fatima. That's right. Well, maybe try one out. Take the family in the last night. Get some ice cream, free ice cream. It's going to be called Theotokos, which is the Greek word. Hey, I named that one. That's for, great. You did. That was one of my ideas. Yeah. It's uh, the Greek word for mother of God or God bearer, more literally. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a, a cream base with chunks of baklava and honey since mm. it's a Greek word. So it'll be a, a Greek-themed yeah, ice cream. Very nice. And it'll be served on the last night. Speaking of Greek food, I'm taking my my smoking hot wife out tonight for Greek food because today is her birthday. So. Now, does birthday. she like when you call her smoking hot? She's, she does. Oh, actually, okay, yeah. okay. That's she, good. I she figure thinks, you wouldn't say it if she didn't. like She it. thinks it's kind of funny. So. Okay, that's good. And then uh, the gospel this week is from John. We're into the scrutinies with the RCIA candidates, and uh, we're up to the man born blind. My favorite part of this is that they. They, you know, they question him once, and then they question his parents, and they come back to him again because his parents said, well, ask him. He's yeah. the one who got cured, you yeah. know, kind of thing. And he says, if he's a – and they say, we know that this man is a sinner. He said, if he's a sinner, I, do not, I don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, all I know is this. I was blind, and now right. I can see. Right. <laughs> That's it. What do you think, Christina? Any thoughts on this weekend's gospel or readings? So I've been doing a little research for our um, – social media post and Mm. we've been doing social media posts every Sunday during Lent for the Office of Human Life and one of the the words that stuck out to me was sent Mm. Um, and so Jesus was sent by the Father and we are sent at the end of the Mass to go out and to to evangelize and so that is also a word that we've been looking at in my Eucharistic course is is the word that sent that at the end of mass we are not just to remain in the church we are to continue to go out and um and that was something that that's that struck me and that happened in this past weekend's gospel with the woman at the well she left her bucket there and then she went out and told everybody what this man was to her and what he what he what he knew about her so my reflection is also tied into last week's gospel it's the woman at the well and the man born blind neither one have a name mm-hmm 
So as we pray with these, we could put ourselves in there. And how are we blind? How are we thirsting? And how is it that the Lord wants to do for us what he did for these folks in these scripture passages as well? Yeah. Because he does. He, he wants does. to do, like, the word of God is living and effective, and Jesus is alive, and the Holy Spirit is a Lord giver of life. So he wants to do some of these things for us too, and more. Yeah. And as Christine said, we are all sent as well. So we are all right. sent out from these places. So we'll be sending you out now, and we'll have a whole lot more next time here on Question of Faith.